This year, during the season of Lent, we have been listening to Jesus through the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been hearing him speak to us about some really deep issues of the human heart. So, so far we've encountered some pretty intimate subject matter, like our motives, that's getting down in there deep, Um, our material possessions, anyone ever, yeah, that's kind of personal, Um, our loyalties, our anxieties, you know, just some light topics. Uh, And and this evening, we're going to continue that journey into the heart as we listen to Jesus teach us from the Sermon on the Mount about discerning discernment in life without being judgmental. I'm not sure if there's a tougher teaching, especially in the unique times that we're now living in. I say unique not because people are any more or less judgmental in 2022 than they ever have been, but because we're just as judgmental and now nearly everyone has access to a platform to express themselves without pause for any kind of filtering or editorial process or reflection or nuance. Learning to be discerning without being judgmental just might be one of the big issues of the human heart today. So let's hear what Jesus has to say about it. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 through 6. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. And why do you look at the speck that's in your brother's eye and don't notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, here, let me get the speck out of your eye when behold, there is a log in your own eye. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you may see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their foot and turn and tear you to pieces. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Do not judge, for in the way you judge you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Now, when I say the word judge, or judgment, or judgmental, what pops into your mind? Just throw out some ideas. A court sentence? Criticism? Folks on signs, usually yelling or something like that, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. In most of our modern English-speaking world, the words judge and judgment carry all sorts of negative weight behind them. Usually people associate these words with condemnation and judgmentalism. And in an age of supposed, I'm using air quotes loosely here, supposed tolerance, even people who don't read the Bible or who don't claim to follow Jesus know that Jesus said, don't judge. Don't judge. And usually that means, dude, don't be judgmental. Don't be judgmental. Now, what if I were to tell you that through this teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus was trying to tell us how to judge? What if Jesus was trying to make us people who flourish by helping us to judge things correctly? 
Before you judge what I've just said by tuning me out, <laughs> just allow me a little bit of time to explain as we dig into the meat of this. So let me just take you to the 30,000 foot view and just remind me and, and you what the goal of being a disciple of Jesus is in simplest, simplest terms. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus will say in the Sermon on the Mount, if you do those things, you are summing up the entire law and the prophets. That's all of the Bible. That's in simplest form, loving God, loving neighbor, that's, that's the crux of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And here in Matthew's Gospel, in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is giving us a command on how to love our neighbors as ourselves. With me? So far so good? Okay, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's where it gets a little complicated. You, me, our neighbors, we've got issues. We are capable of incredible good and beauty, and we are capable of incredible harm and selfishness. And so we're kind of forced to live in attention, like our whole lives, like every waking moment we're in attention. Because in this same Sermon on the Mount, we see two verses at the very beginning right next to each other. Those verses are, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? That's those who hunger and thirst for justice. And, you know, if you think like a black and white um, what well, to me it's kind of black and white, maybe you disagree, but like Ukraine, Russia right now, like there's this, like people are getting bombed um, and dying. And it just seems like, you know what? Justice would be like cleaning the decks, like pushing Russia back where they came from, like stop bombing people, right? So, so blessed are those who hunger and thirst for some judgment, for some righteousness, for some justice. That's, that's in the Beatitudes. The very next verse is blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Right next to each other. It's like the more we follow Jesus, the more we experience this tension. Because the more we follow Jesus, the more we are going to be hungrier and hungrier for righteousness and justice and God's way to come into the world. And wherever his way, like where where people are blowing each other up, wherever that is happening, we want God to do something about that. So that, that impulse in us is going to grow as we follow Jesus, but also we're going to grow in, in this big, huge heart of mercy for other people and empathy. But what if in our zeal for justice, we become judgmental? What if rather than wanting healing for the world and restoration of human beings, we also begin to harbor a condemning attitude towards certain types of people. I say all this like, what if and maybe. I mean, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Some of us harbor judgmental feelings toward others on just certain topics, and it usually depends on who you are, what your topic is. But, you know, some low-hanging fruit topics might be someone's political views or their stance on masking or not masking or vaccine or no vaccine. Uh, that's, that's really boiled up to the top lately. Uh, maybe it's the way people parent or don't parent, or maybe it's the way some people use their money or don't use their money. Maybe it's on their view of religion or the Bible or ethics. Whatever it is, it's easy to make judgments and then become judgmental. What if Jesus wants to show us how to be discerning between right and wrong, healing and hurting, beauty and evil? He wants us to know the difference without being judgmental. 
And then there's the other extreme. It is hard work. It is hard work to show mercy to someone who has hurt you. It's, I know we're not really like charismatic or anything, but like you can say amen, right? Amen. That's hard. That's hard work. Sometimes, sometimes it's easier just to ignore evil under the guise of, I'm just being merciful, I'm just being kind, I'm just being generous. But, but maybe you're reluctant to have an opinion on the behavior of other people because you just, you really don't want to go there. You don't want to stir it up. Your motto might be, ah, just live and let live. As long as it doesn't affect me, people can do whatever they want. I mean, that's sort of easy to navigate the world until it's not. Because the problem with that attitude is that we who bear the image of God, right, which is human beings, uh, and those of us who are called to reflect his love and justice back into the world, which is every human being, we would be in dereliction of our duty if we never spoke up against evil. What if Jesus wants to show us how to be discerning between right and wrong, healing and hurting, beauty and evil, without being judgmental? I think that's exactly what Jesus is trying to do in Matthew 7, 1 through 6. But let me just set this up with one more piece of the puzzle, and Stella's going to put a slide up. This is a, a, a scripture from Hebrews 4, 12. Um, it's a little small. Let me just read it. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting through so as to divide from soul and spirit, joints from marrow. It's even able to discern judge, examine the thoughts and deliberations of the heart, okay? The word of God is able to, to cut through all the, the stuff and get to the heart of the matter. And there's this Greek word there, you see it in the parentheses, um, uh, kritikos, sounds like critical, right? Kritikos, critique. Um, and that word has this range of meaning, discernment, judgment, examining, okay? You'll notice two things. First, that the word of God is able to examine our hearts. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is doing. If you've been paying attention, like, I'm the worst. I, I've got to prepare all these sermons. It has been messing with my heart. I don't mean you want to talk about my money or my motives or, ah, this is difficult, okay? So it has that way of kind of examining me and examining you. That's part of why we read scripture and I preach scripture. Uh, but the second thing is that this Greek word kritikos has a wide range of meaning. Like I said, discernment, judge, examine. Y you can see the English criticism, critical, critic uh, in there, right? And it means to evaluate. So let's just give this idea some legs because I really want to drive it home that judgment and examining and things can be more than negative. So I just need three volunteers. I'll just start picking folks if I, let's have Chad come on up and Nancy come on up and uh, Zoe. <laughs> no, if Ben wants to, Ben. It's going to be worth your while. Yeah, okay. Okay, so um, let's, start, let's start with Ben here, and what we're going to do is, um, now Ben, what I want you to do is I've got Easter candy here. I've got Peeps, and I've got Reese's Eggs, so you see these are two different Easter candies, and Ben, I want you to discern which one is best. <laughs> ben is discerning. Ben is discerning. <laughs> Okay, there you go. 
So that, yeah, so ben, just, ben made a discerning choice. He evaluated, he judged. Was there anything negative about that? I mean, the peeps might feel bad, but I mean, <laughs> some, I know Sophia's gonna want the peeps. Somebody wants the peeps, so, okay, the peeps go here. Um, Chad, I've got, I've got something for you. Okay, I've got a, a Tolkien novel, or I've got a biography by Frank Lampard, the midfielder for Chelsea Football Club. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is there a choice? So, Chad, which judge between these two? Which one would you judge that you'd rather have? Uh, that one. Thank you. I had an extra copy of that one. I don't have an extra copy of this one. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Great. And then, Nancy, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's Twizzlers people and Red Vines people. Um, it's okay. It's a, oh, 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 you chose wisely. I know, right? Twizzlers. No, I'm just kidding. Who, who wants the Twizzlers? David. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Give our, our friends a hand here. Yeah. So you can see that they used some criticos that they, they made a judgment, a discernment, an evaluation between two things. There was nothing inherently negative about that. Examine these two and choose. We criticos every single day in so many different ways. We make choices, we make judgments between things, and most often we don't think of those things as, as negative or being judgmental. And it just so happens that that is the same basic word in the passage that we're looking at in Matthew 7, 1 through 6. And here's why it matters. Because in Jesus' day, the word kritikos or krenete as we see that form in Matthew 7, uh, it's something that we are supposed to do. We're supposed to judge. We're supposed to evaluate. We're supposed to discern. Um, we're supposed to be doing critical thinking and acting in the world. We're supposed to be critical and discerning of the powers that are over us, right? Political power, uh, the power of, 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 of company, the power of the people that uh, are, are just over any social organization. We're supposed to judge in the sense of evaluate the world that we are living in. We make choices on the media that we consume or we participate in. We make choices on the people we spend time with. We make choices all the time. And this is why New Testament scholar Jonathan Pennington suggests a more accurate translation might be, do not judge unfairly, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. Do not judge unfairly, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. Now, let me just help us gain a little bit more clarity. So let's consider what Jesus does not mean by do not judge in this sentence. He does not mean that we shouldn't have courts or law, or judges in the world, right? Because throughout scripture, Jesus calls on people to act as judges. Moses used to hear people's cases, and then he delegated his role to a multitude of wise and experienced people who could help him shoulder the load. And in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about the role of government in the executive and judicial uh, realm of the world. And so we know that we're, you know, you're supposed to have actual judges in courts. Okay, um, the second thing is that Jesus is not saying, don't think, 
don't use your critical thinking. Uh, Again, the rest of Scripture confirms that God calls us to be discerning, to make judgments between good and evil and right and wrong, to love and injustice, right? And and in this very passage, Jesus is assuming that we are going to judge because he says, in the way you judge, you will be judged. And then he tells us to judge or to use discernment when offering what is holy to dogs or to pigs, you know, pearls and pigs and all that kind of stuff in verse 6. We're going to get to that in a little bit. It's weird. Um, but just, just so you know, like in the very context of the scripture we're in, Jesus is assuming that we're going to make decisions. The third thing that this doesn't mean is it doesn't mean we should never confront people who wrong us, right? In Matthew 15, uh, 18, 15, Jesus says that if your brother or sister sins against you, you should go privately to that person and tell them how you've been hurt by them. Okay? Uh, and then if they refuse to acknowledge it, you should bring a witness along so that we're to be truthful and appropriately confront sin where it exists. That's just part of discipleship. And the fourth thing that this doesn't mean is that anything goes. This doesn't mean that anything goes as far as like ethical decisions or moral decisions in life. So in our culture, there's sort of like unspoken rules about what we're supposed to judge um, and what we're supposed to tolerate. And you've probably tiptoed those landmines. Like there's certain things it's okay to be judgy about. And then there's certain things like, well, I'm not going to wade into that topic because it's, it's taboo. Um, if you get out of line, in fact, in our culture, you will be judged. <laughs> you will be canceled, right? Um, but, but Jesus calls us to, to more than mere tolerance with each other. He calls us to love each other, and that's costly. Love means that sometimes you're going to make unpopular decisions for the good of other people. In 1 Corinthians 5, for example, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in Corinth. Um, there's this guy in the church who is um, having an affair with his stepmother while that lady is still married to his biological father. That's messed up in any culture in any time, right? And, um, and, and Paul says, hey, this guy is not saying I'm sorry. He doesn't think he's doing anything right. He's like, you know what? I'm, I'm exercising my freedom. And Paul says, you know, We've got to make a decision here, a judgment, uh, an examination, and this dude has to get put out of the church for two reasons. One, to impract, uh, protect the integrity of the church. Like, that kind of thing, what does it say, like a, a bad apple spoils the whole bunch, or a, a, a lump of dough spoils the whole lump of dough, or whatever, like, um, <laughs> I'm getting my metaphors wrong. Um, <laughs> a little leaven causes the whole lump to, to rise, there you go. But the second reason, and this is so important, is that it's so that this man might come to his senses. Like, it doesn't do anyone any good if you're just like, yeah, that's messed up what you're doing, but I don't want to wade into that issue, so just go for it. Because if, if, as soon as you start saying like, hey, whatever is good to you is good with God, well, then what do they have to repent about, right? So the idea is that this person would be like, oh, this is serious, Uh, and and maybe come to be restored. A decision in in discipline like that should always be with the aim of restoration and reconciliation, never for judgmentalism. In telling us not to judge unfairly, Jesus is telling us not to condemn people with finality. Why is that? Why? 
why wouldn't we, why would Jesus be weary of us judging people with finality? Well, the reason is because we don't have very good perspective. We just don't have good perspective. We've got, we've got logs in our eyes. The scriptures say, why do you look at the speck, right? So, I mean, this is an agrarian culture. Jesus was a carpenter. This is probably supposed to be funny. We get all serious. We're like, what does that mean? And what does the speck mean? But, I mean, just close your eyes and just think like you're, <laughs> you're, in a, you're in a wood shop or something like that. I mean, Chuck, you can, you can picture this because you're spinning your wood during the week. But like you, someone next to you has a speck of sawdust in their eye. Just like a little speck of sawdust. And you notice it and you're like, got a speck of sawdust in your eye. How can you say that when you have a log? Like, <laughs> let, me, let me just help you out with that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous scene. In fact, the word for log here in the Greek is this dakon word. It doesn't mean like stick or log or two by four or four by four. It means a structural timber, like, like one of those. Like, so I mean, it's, it's bigger than the person's head could possibly be. So you just imagine like you had a cartoon because that's the only way you could do it. You got this guy with this thing, 20 feet long, and let me try to get that speck out of your eye. I mean, it's, you have no perspective to be pulling the speck out of someone's eye when you've got this timber sticking out of your head. The issue is not that we should ever, uh, that, that we should never be discerning or to never judge between right and wrong, good and evil. The issue is that we often go about our discerning and our judgments with a frightening a frightening lack of self-awareness. That we, have, we have just so many ways to get it wrong. I mean, let's just, just let's name a few. Like, it is impossible not to look at the world through your own perspective. Like, you're you, you have a perspective, right? So you've, you've got that filter already. And your perspective is shaped on so many things. Well, let's just name, like, a few basic ones, like you're shaped by your biological sex, your ethnicity, your age, your level of education, your social economic status. We are shaped by brain chemistry, like just out of the box, some of us deal with depression. Some of us be, deal with, however the chemicals are made up in your body, it changes how we perceive people and the world. And we are so heavily shaped by past trauma. Every one of us. Um, it's like no, not, even, not even a theory anymore that COVID-19 by itself has been a major traumatic experience in nearly every single person's life in the world. In fact, a lot of people are now saying that many of us are living with a low-grade anxiety or depression like all the time, have you noticed how difficult it is just to do normal things, to make normal decisions? I don't know about you, but everything feels a little tougher for me. Um, and it's like, 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 we're like the air is thicker that we're moving through, right? That is, that's, that's trauma. And every one of us has that shaping our lens, and some of us to a, a larger degree than other people. Okay, so every one of us has a, a unique perspective that's important, but it is... It, it's a, it's a log in there. There's a timber. And, and to make this all worse, even if you're a very confident person, most of us are just really insecure about our place in the world. 
And we typically think better of ourselves than we ought to, and we typically think less of others than they're due. We typically think more of ourselves than we ought to and less of others than we do, or we think less of ourselves than we are due and better of others than we ought. There's, and we usually do this with, in both directions, right? There's certain people that you look at and you're like, I don't feel very good about myself, but at least I'm not, right? And then the other way we like to do it is we love to put certain people, usually we don't know them very well, we put them on pedestals, and they become our heroes, kind of like to watch him fall from time to time too. <laughs> Aren't we messed up? Yeah. Um, and if all of this weren't enough to convince us to have some humility, we all have a bent towards selfishness. Um, it, you know, sin is the biblical word. I don't know that it has much run for a lot of people. Like sin, what does that mean? Isn't that stuff that the church just says to keep us down? But as Luth- Martin Luther said, sin is humanity turned in on itself. Like, sin is basically gross selfishness, and, and, and that, that has some legs with me. Like, I, oh, I get that. I don't, I, I mean, I know what sin is, but yeah, I get selfishness. Disciples of Jesus be, are people who become more and more aware of the logs in their eye. We become more and more aware of the logs in our eyes. And and disciples of Jesus know the lengths that Jesus went to to forgive us. And disciples of Jesus want to be like Jesus, full of humility and mercy and truth. Before being quick to judge others, we should remember that we are among the people who deserve judgment. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is perfect. Jesus came and died for you and your sin and for me and for my sin and for the sins of every single person you will ever meet. Jesus Jesus gave himself for them. And it reminds me of our scripture reading today that Corey and Samara read um, in which two men go to the temple to pray and one of them was this religious leader. The other was a tax collector, literally the the scum of the earth or a, a person that most Jewish people would look down upon. And the text says that the religious leader was praying. I don't know if you caught this in the passage. It says he was praying to himself. Praying to himself. God, I, I think that, I thank you that I'm not like other people. That's what he says. I'm not like swindlers or unjust or adulterers or even like this tax collector. I mean, like the guy is right there and this dude is so full of himself, he's praying to himself in earshot of this other guy. That's just, okay. I mean, talk about a structural timber in someone's eye. I mean, this, this guy's got a big one. And you're, t- I mean, and I just want to say to him, like, you're telling me you're reading the same scriptures that I'm reading and you don't see the timber? Meanwhile, the tax collector, I, I mean, this guy, this guy's a sinner of sinners, and yet, and yet he's self-aware. He's becoming self-aware of seeing the log in his own eye. And he humbles himself, and he beats his chest, and he cries out for mercy, mercy of God. And Jesus is not so much saying, don't ever judge or discern or examine, as much as he's saying, beware of developing a condemning, judgmental heart towards others. And if you do, that's how you'll be treated when God evaluates you. That makes me gulp a little bit. 
The idea here isn't to shape up so then you can have the moral high ground as if you, you know, if I just got the timber out of my eye, then I could be good enough to judge other people. That, that's, not, that's not the teaching here. The point is that we have all of this stuff in our eyes and we need to be people who are discerning and to make evaluations. The point is to be humble, self-aware, to become aware of your biases. Jesus is inviting us to learn how to make judgments without dehumanizing other people. So when you get more acquainted with your story and the complexity behind your motives, the more you're going to have grace for other people because everyone has a story. Everyone has a reason that they act the way they do. Be a good listener rather than a condemner. Knowing the story behind the behaviors of other people can shed a lot of light on why they are the way they are. And I think the stance of listening, which by the way is one of our core values as a church, listening, um, it's part of what Jesus is talking about in that weird verse six. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not cast your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Dogs and swine are in parallel, basically means the same thing. What you have to remember is that uh, dogs are not like your pet dog with a cute personality that's bathed on a regular basis and groomed. These are street dogs. These are dogs that, that roam in packs in the back alleys. They have mange and fleas, and they will bite you. <laughs> They're not nice. Uh, likewise, the pigs that he's talking about, the swine, uh, they are not like Babe. They are not like Charlotte's Web pig. They are not like any of the Disney pigs. Um, they, uh, in fact, they're unclean ceremonially to Jewish people um, at all. Um, but yeah, they're not, they're not friendly pigs. Sorry, Sophia, they're not your like mini pig that you want for a little pet. Yeah, cute noses though. Um, so what does Jesus have in mind here? Is, is, first of all, let me just clear this up in case you're wondering, is Jesus, is he really calling certain people dogs and swine? Is Jesus saying that there are certain people who don't deserve whatever holy things and pearls mean? A lot of people think it means the gospel itself, like pearls of wisdom or, or truth or the holy things of, um, uh, of scripture or worship or community. Is Jesus saying there's really a class of people who we shouldn't even offer those things to? I, I don't think he can mean that and have come to the world. He would, not to be rude, but like he would have never come for you and me. <laughs> he would have never come to the world because everybody rejected him, right? Um, he would have never died for us. He would have never given us the scriptures, holy thing, or more holy yet, the Holy Spirit, to dwell in us. He would have never given us those things if Jesus really thought that there's a class of people who would, were dogs and swine. He would have never given us the great commission of making disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them holy things and giving them holy, precious pearls of the gospel. He never would have called us to do that if the world out there was dogs and swine. I think Dallas Willard's explanation is more in view, that Jesus often uses agricultural examples in his teachings of, or stories because people understood farming and they understood animals. Everyone knows, or everyone knew, that dogs can't really do anything useful with the Bible 
and that pigs can't digest pearls. Like, they're, you, what do pigs want to do? They want to roll in mud, and they want to eat stuff. They don't want pearls. <laughs> and if you try and force holy things on people who aren't open to them, you do them violence, and you might just find that they do violence to you, either through shunning you or scorning you or worse. We are to judge, examine, discern who it is that we're interacting with. You know, you can try, all, this is an extreme example, but you can try all you want to like, hey, I'm going to sit down with, with Vladimir Putin and share the golden rule with him. You know, if he just heard, love your neighbor as yourself, you know, I think that would be a gross miscalculation in judgment. Putin needs the hard truth of the scripture that God hears the voices of the oppressed and will avenge them. I mean, we need some of those psalms in there, right? And it seems that Jesus does want us to discern, but not to the point of condemnation or judgmentalism. After all, it's the Spirit, not our condemnation, who softens the hearts of people and opens their minds. We ought to be listening to the Spirit to prompt us when to speak and when to be silent, when to share Scripture, and when to simply share a listening ear or a strong rebuke. There's a, a season for all of those things. The followers of Jesus are called to speak truth to power, to give voice to the voiceless, to counter ideologies that dehumanize or move humanity away from God's design for us. But we are not, under any circumstances, given license to hate or to condemn. Thank, thank God that he has at some point softened our hearts and minds. And thank God for this reality check, that if you are a follower of Jesus, or don't, don't, think, don't think it's because you are smarter than others, or because of your superior morality. It is because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is humbling. So once again, we're delightfully reminded that it is the poor in spirit who are blessed, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We've, inherit, we've inherited something that we don't deserve, and Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, and for that reason, let's be generous in our judgment and hopeful that all might come to know the love and forgiveness and life in the Father. We're going to transition now to a time of healing prayer.